Do you want to make games? Join the WVU Game Developers Club. They meet every Thursday at 6.30 in the Evansville Crossing, room 412. No primary experience is necessary. They help you make your first game, regardless of what background you have. Uh, everyone is welcome. You can check them out on Twitter at WVUGDC. Also check out their Facebook page. We hope to see you there. Hey, and welcome to Game Talk episode 15. I'm your host, Amon Mion. This week I'm joined by Michael Dumeyer. Oh, boy. Gabby Dumeyer. Hello. <clears throat> and Connor Haynes. Hi, guys. Uh, this is not an ASMR podcast. This is a gaming podcast. And uh, right off the bat, we're going to sort of follow up what we talked about last week, which is pretty much uh, EA's whole loot box controversy with Star Wars Battlefront 2 and uh, the gaming community's response to that. As you all probably know by now, this podcast isn't exactly 100% current. Episodes come out a week or two after they're recorded, but the response to this uh, whole controversy has been so large in magnitude and so, uh, so I think, impactful for how things are going to go going forward that I think I think it's really worth revisiting and talking about some more. So since the blowback uh, from the EA loot box controversy, um, this issue has sort of slipped into mainstream consciousness. I saw it being covered on CNN. Oh, really? Yeah. You hear uh, talk of governments like the Belgian government investigating whether loot boxes should be classified as gambling. Same with uh, Hawaii legislators looking into that sort of thing as well. So this thing is actually gaining sort of steam now. It's been brought to the attention of the general public, which I think is very important. And I think that's the best way that we could see a sort of change or some sort of legislation limiting how much these companies can use these systems to prey on customers. Right. I'm not sure how in favor of legislation I am at this point, um, because the last time gaming was in the spotlight like this of legislators, we ended up with the ESRB rating games. And I think that was the best possible conclusion to that, is self-regulation. But I'm just not sure, I'm not sure the industry can do it this time, because it's not like, there's nothing artistic about a loot box. You can, you can argue art when it comes to like gore in games and stuff and violence. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know what the way is forward. It certainly is interesting to see how this will shake out in the weeks and months to come. But it's also interesting, I think, to take a look at the different sides that are sort of forming. Like there are gamers on one side and it looks like now that this has gotten popular enough, legislators and that sort like lawmakers are getting on that side as well. And on the other side, I see sort of publishing game publishing companies and developers studios. On the other side, I've seen many studios argue that loot boxes are not gambling and it's strictly a choice uh, for the customer to make. And um, it's, it's really hard to distinguish. Like, a lot of game companies say that we have loot boxes because <laughs> video games cost too much to make. But at the same time, none of them talk about how much money they make. Like, they'll talk about units sold and stuff, but nobody in the industry talks about how much money they're making. And also, okay, let's take uh, just the fact that, yeah, video games cost a lot to make, and you need loot boxes to mitigate that cost. 
even if that was 100% true, I think we've gone too far in the other direction now. I agree. And I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy that games are too expensive to make. Like, you can do the math in your head about, you know, how much it costs to pay the people working on the games versus how much money the games are making. The money's going somewhere. Like, it's not just getting burnt. I mean, it's going into the pockets of executives. Exactly. And so, that's, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hear what you're saying, but. Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be good to sort of zoom in a little bit and recap what happened immediately after the EA response to the loot box controversy. Michael, do you have something to add? Uh, other than the fact that supposedly Disney stepped in themselves to get EA to back off on the microtransactions. That's a really good point, actually. Um, that's actually why action happened as fast as it did. So EA announced shortly, I think a- shortly after we recorded our last show, that they were actually removing the loot box system, or not, sorry, not removing the loot box system, but removing the payment option for loot boxes from Battlefront 2 entirely. So now the boxes were obtained strictly only through normal progression in the game. And that was due to the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, actually taking EA CEO meeting, like, calling him or meeting with him or something, but basically just sitting him down and saying, like, you can't do this. And since Disney owns the Star Wars IP, and also they're Disney, you don't want to make Disney mad. Yeah, and this is a Um, huge embarrassment to EA, in my opinion. Like, the fact that they had to be (coughs) scolded like a child. And their response to that was kind of like a petulant child as well. They said immediately afterward, like, we'll be removing... Uh, the payment options temporarily while we figure out a new solution. Yeah. So th- to me, that was basically like saying, all right, Dad, we won't do this anymore, yeah. but no. once you're not looking, we're going to keep doing it. 100% EA just got caught with their hands in the cookie jar. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't think it's ridiculous to expect the CEO of EA to step down. I think this is big enough for that to happen. I, I totally agree, but I don't think for a second that's going to happen. Um, I also kind of want to point out how frustrated and angry other big studios must be because this instance was kind of like EA ruining loot boxes for everybody. Yeah, I mean I wasn't a fan to begin with, but this this was big enough to make loot boxes look bad to your average gamer, I think. Yeah, I 100% agree. And companies that were prof- profiting from these things like uh Blizzard um uh, and well Activision is Blizzard. Yeah. But uh, but you get my point. But these big companies that were profiting from this, I mean, this sort of negative perception is only going to right, make them lose like, money. People don't just say about. I know I don't hear people just saying Battlefront Two. They say Battlefront Two, Destiny Two, like the, everything with a loot box. Overwatch <laughs> is getting brought into it, and like all of those games have loot boxes, and I don't love it. But like I never heard anybody really, really complain about loot boxes and say Rocket League until now. Now I hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a popular thing to hate right now, and I'm I'm for that. I hate them myself. Yeah, it's there, interesting. Uh, there's an angry mob right now, effectively. Definitely for the past few episodes, at least, this has been a cent- central theme in all of our episodes. And I remember where we came down on loot boxes initially were, I think the general consensus was that cosmetic loot boxes were okay, but anything beyond that was a no-no. And I'm kind of of the opinion now that this is like soured the pot for everybody. Yeah. And I think they should just go. I agree with no that. No more loot boxes anymore. I yeah. I mean, I think something's 
something's going to happen soon. Like legislation is going to happen or self-regulation. Something's going to happen soon that's going to affect loot boxes in gaming in a strong way. Yeah, definitely. It has to. Mentioning Activision actually brought up a kind of a tangent thought in my mind. Did you guys hear about uh, Bungie and the experience for Destiny 2? I did. How they were um, decreasing the amount of experience you get after longer play times without telling you. Yeah, and they didn't tell you. See, and that's uh, that's okay. Uh, just really quick, that's fine if you want to decrease the XP, but you should a hundred percent be transparent with the player and show them what they're getting. No, so let the me fact t- that they hid that is so slimy to me. No, it's not even slimy. It's a rookie mistake because World of Warcraft, also made by Activision Blizzard, has been doing this for years. You know what they call it? A login bonus. You get bonus EXP when you first log in, and then they taper you off as yeah. you keep playing. But that low number is your normal, and everything's a bonus. And that's the difference. And that's all it took to make people not mad about it. Like, what are they doing? That's stupid of them. Like, they should know better. I don't know. The fact that this happened so close to the EA controversy really just makes me of the opinion that the whole quote-unquote A game industry is in a very, like, sort of crookish place yeah, right it's now. bogus yeah it's very I, sleazy but i'm not i don't think it's fair to say that either because there are a lot of triple a games coming out that are fine no i, I absolutely agree um you know, nintendo hasn't been doing nintendo's it. nintendo's like, the sort of golden boy right now uh yeah square enix hasn't been doing it either like i think especially mario odyssey flies in the face of everything that's happening right now because oh, yeah. if any other studio was making that game you would totally be able to spend real money to unlock additional outfits for mario oh yeah but with Odyssey, as we know, it's all unlockable through in-game progression, which is how it should be. And yeah, I don't want to paint everyone with a broad brush, but I think definitely this instance with Activision, what's been going on with EA, is definitely giving the industry a sort of a painting it in a bad light. Uh, what do you think about all of this, Gabby? Um, <clears throat> I don't really keep up with very much economics of politics, especially in big gaming, because I have never bought a loot box so i think even played a game that requires loot boxes bless you (laughs) but in my opinion it just kind of sounds weird i guess like the idea of them especially with how it is now i don't think i could ever use that system in any game i make yeah i agree with that wholeheartedly i would never put a loot box system in a game i'm making unless it was a satire of loot boxes right and i think uh that sentiment is especially common with, like, younger game developers, which is why I think loot boxes, when we're talking super long-term, like, decades from now, loot boxes won't be a thing. Oh, no, absolutely this not. Is it's defi- not I, I definitely think this is a temporary it's a thing. Solely to satisfy the executives at these big companies. Right. I think, I don't know, I think all the rage at AAA gaming might make a hole big enough for AA to come back, and I'm excited for that. Because I, I can get behind some double-A games. Like Sinuous Sacrifice, Hellblade, Sinuous Sacrifice, they're trying to do it. Yeah. And I, I hope more people follow suit because I've heard nothing but praise for that game. It might be a little too early to say if what's happening right now can burn a hole so big as to bring back a sort of dead I mean, dead it's not, it's not been gaming. gone that long. It's not even been 10 years. It's been gone. That's It's still quite a long time in terms of the gaming industry, I think. That's true. Um. But what I will say is what's happening right now has only gained more and more momentum. Where I was vocally on the show 
pretty pessimistic about it because gamers are very complacent people, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, this took me to- by surprise. Um, so, yeah, this totally flew in the other direction of where I thought it would go, and I'm very pleased with it because uh, people made their voices heard, and it's actually changing things, which is something I think we should all be proud of. I think we do have to thank Disney in a large part because of this, because you know EA wouldn't have done anything. Absolutely not, yeah. yeah. But EA's in, or Disney's involvement is probably what attracted some of the lawmakers to, like, notice it as well. Yeah. And this this whole thing makes me think, what would happen if EA just was, like, paid whatever severance money they had to and was like, you don't have Star Wars anymore? And they sort of gave it to another big studio. I mean, EA doesn't actually have a severance. They're actually paying Disney for the license, so... If Disney wants to take the license, it's Disney's right to take that away. Okay, so if that's the case, then EA must be really sweating right now because Disney probably optically is the best, like in terms of a public viewpoint, is optically the best-looking company in the world right now. They own Star Wars and they own Marvel, two of the flashiest, biggest worldwide phenomenons of the past decade, you know? So... Any sort of negativity on their part, they're going to zero in on and just annihilate, I think. Because this is a company that's firing on all cylinders right now. They don't need this sort of thing. I really wish they would not give exclusivity. Like, I I feel like they kind of... I'm not going to say the impulse did it, because that'd be stupid. They're, they're, They're smarter than me in this context, by a lot. But, like, it feels like they didn't want to think about it. And so they were like, EA's a huge company... They're going to, you know, be able to put big budget Star Wars games out and make money. But I I don't know that that that's definitely not what I personally want. I wish Disney would negotiate individual titles with studios. You know what I think would be brilliant? If Disney created their own studio for Star Wars video games. Yeah. And they definitely have the resources and money to do it. And they would definitely have attract the talent to make fantastic games. Oh, yeah. I think they're actually doing something like that for Marvel. They're yeah, making their Disney own has internal. to own a game studio. They've been, they have the Disney. Um, oh, you buy the toys and you press them. Oh, uh, Skylanders. No, no. This is a Disney version of it. Disney Infinity. Yeah, yes, Disney Infinity. A, yeah, I don't know. It 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 is kind of odd that they haven't broken into the game space in a big way. Because that's just looking at it from like a purely business standpoint. There's so much money waiting to be made if they play their cards right. Yeah, I agree. I I just think. I don't know. I mean, from the outside looking in, EA seemed like a good choice. But, I mean, gamers were never happy about it. Gamers were immediately terrified when EA got the license. No, I mean, Disney looked at EA and was like, you guys know how to make money, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, So that that was a logical decision, but... But maybe next time they'll pick somebody who knows how to make games and help us out a little. Yeah, I... Yeah. Throw, Throw us a bone. I suppose that's one way to put it, yeah. Knows how to make games and uh, not be completely scummy to the people they're trying to please, the customers. Basically. I just can't believe Battlefront 2 was the, the one they decided to loot box like to that extent. Like, I mean, I guess Battlefield was like that a little bit, but it wasn't your only progression, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just insane. Like It's mind-boggling to think that they did this with Star Wars, which... Is just so easy to get right. And they did it after the whole, like, oh, we're not selling any DLC for this game. It's all going to be free. Oh, yeah. That was such a 180. I forgot about that. Yeah. They they 
I knew what, I knew it was going to happen. I what, knew it. What scumbags? Because they trumpeted that. They like celebrated that. They were like, "Look at us. We've changed. We're going to, you know, we're all about you now and we're not going to charge you for DLC." And then then, you know, what happened happened. Yep. Going back on EA and the Star Wars license, EA's had the Star Wars license since at least 2011 before Disney bought LucasArts because SWOTOR came out in uh, 2011. Mm. So they had the license back then, and I guess right, but that was like grandfathered in, in. That was more individually negotiated because it used to be all kinds of studios made Star Wars games. It was mostly LucasArts, and they did a good job. But who, who made? Was it LucasArts making the original Battlefronts? Not sure. I think so. Because those were still much better games. I, I still play Battlefront 2 occasionally. The the old one, 2005, I think it was. Yeah. No, uh, the old Battlefront games are super, super They're loved. timeless, really. I, yeah. The graphics still look okay. They're not good, but... And just the multiplayer in that game was so much fun. <clears throat> I would have played a remaster of those. I'd have paid $60 for a remastered Battlefront 2 if they'd release it now. Yeah, and that's another thing that makes you so mad. They had the template to make this yeah. perfect they Battlefront games. They didn't have to do anything. Because they already existed. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 1 was developed by Pandemic and published by LucasArts. Okay. Yeah, we kind of veered off into a bunch of tangents there, but sort of bringing it back to the loot box controversy, where do you guys, now that all of this has sort of come to the forefront, where do you guys predict it will go from here? A lot of balls in the air. Um... I uh, I think we're going to get um I think the most likely is going to be that you won't be able to have loot boxes in a game that's not rated M. I could see that happening. Like the ESRB is going to start looking at it. And a game that is sold to anyone under 18 <coughs> is not going to be allowed to have loot box. Oh, that would make it AO, wouldn't it? How do you mean? How old do you have to be to buy a rated M game? Is it 17? 17? 18? But what about adults only? 17. What's, 17? Okay. Is AO 18? I don't think AO it's, exists anymore. AO does exist, but it's 18 plus, and most storefronts won't sell it. You have yeah. to get it through a specialty store. It's a death sentence. Okay, so, but even if that's the case, I don't think that will really solve the problem. Well, if it's like, adult only, it will, because it won't be able to be sold literally anywhere. I know like five-year-olds who are playing, I mean, not personally, no, but five-year-olds play Call of Duty, you know? Kids get a hold of rated M games like all the time. Right. I don't I remember. see really how that would mitigate the problem. I know, but it it's on the parents at that point. It's not on the industry anymore. Oh, with That's the fact a good point. that um, yeah. Mature and all of the loot box things would be getting, being on the news and stuff, parents would probably see that. And if they see rated M games have in-game purchases, they'd probably maybe at least for a little bit pay more attention to ratings at least. Yeah, and, and, now that now that you mention it that way, it'd be very. I think it would be kind of effective to put like on the rating box, like, warning contains in-game microtransactions or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. Warning that. Yeah. I mean, once we can filter our storefronts, like filter the online storefronts, have it on the box, everything like that, then I think that'll make it just as much of a death sentence because I know plenty of people will just not buy them anymore once it's that easy to avoid them. No. Yeah. Yeah, I I certainly predict that uh, the death of loot boxes is coming. I, I don't yeah. know how soon it's going to be, but I think it's going to come eventually. I, I predict I'm going to celebrate it. Yeah. Actually, it's probably going to go with a whisper. We're not even going to notice. We're just going to notice. Like, it's just going to be something you don't talk about anymore. It's going to go away. Which is fine. Yeah. As long as it goes away. Uh, a lot of game development studios are fighting the fight for loot boxes right now, and I hope that they sort of see the light and 
are on the other side because that's the side where their customers have sort of taken their stand. I mean, I can't even complain. It's not any of the studios that I'm really a huge fan of fighting for. It's, you know, like, the guys making Monster Hunter are like, hey, we're not doing it. Love us. But Nintendo's, like, not even saying anything. Cause did you did you like, see what uh, CD Projekt Red said? Yeah. <laughs> we leave greed to other studios. Yeah. Absolutely oh, savage. It yeah. was savage, yeah. And they're they're right. I mean, even if it's not greed, like, even if it's, like, greed of the shareholders like that they have to appease it's still greed i don't care whose it is oh uh just remember another thing did you guys see that ea's stock was down like eight over eight percent that's rough yeah they they apparently lost like over something like eight billion dollars something crazy like that that makes me happy so they're definitely hurting from this i'm and, really glad somebody needed punished and that's actually the biggest that's the most severe message you could send if the company's shares fall because then the executives at the company will look at that and be like how do we stop this Mm -hmm. and that's actually got the greatest potential to make internal changes at that company any uh any final thoughts on this i know we've sort of had several topics about it but i i think it was important to visit it one last time uh rest in peace battlefront 2 or really rest in peace battlefront 3 Uh, yeah it's not coming back it's it's done Although I could see them be like, Battlefront 3, no microtransactions, no loot boxes, What's three old? season pass, and An try ad. and get back on the good side. Yeah, of and you have to watch a 20-minute ad every death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would watch a 20-minute ad, actually. I'd be playing more ads than, than actual gameplay. Yeah, certainly EA will find a way to find scum it up. Yeah, I, I have no doubt in my mind. If they make another one, it's going to be scummy. Like, it's just, it's a tradition now. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Our next topic is uh, net neutrality, which I'm sure if you're listening to this at the time it's coming out, you've probably heard the term net neutrality being thrown around. Um, Just to be clear on what it is, net neutrality is the idea that it would be illegal for your internet service provider to give preferential treatment to certain sites. So, for instance, like, your ISP couldn't block a website. Like, they couldn't tell you you're not allowed to use Facebook or they couldn't put an extra charge on Facebook. And um, that's relevant to gaming because it, the idea of, like, like say there's a lot of marketplaces now on PC. You have Steam, you have Origin, you have Uplay. And your ISP could create their own marketplace and block all of those. And suddenly there's no competition. They have a monopoly effectively right. on you. And that's sort of the most extreme consequence of what could happen if uh, net neutrality is repealed. Right. A more likely scenario would be that they charge you a monthly fee just for gaming. Which I could absolutely see something yeah. like that happening. And maybe throttling your connection to those sites unless you pay a fee. Right. Something and that's, like that. that's a nightmare to me. I hate that idea. And I don't... See, it doesn't help anybody. So, like... A lot of the ISPs are saying that there's that somehow repealing net neutrality is going to save the taxpayer money, and that's baloney. Like, there's no foundation for that at all. I really hope people rally behind blocking net neutrality's repeal because I think this is a case of we are never going to fully appreciate how much we value net neutrality until we lose it. Yeah, And then when we lose it, if we lose it, people will realize how, what a mistake they made and how they should have desperately tried to fight to keep it in place. 
Yeah, I'm not convinced, though, that even... I mean, it, this is very pessimistic of me, but I'm not convinced. Like, my entire timeline on Twitter for two weeks now has been filled with net neutrality stuff, and I'm still not convinced that that's enough. Like, even though everybody's talking about it, I don't know a you, single You know the person. depressing thing is? Literally everyone. Like, I, 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 yeah, like, let me finish that sentence for you. I don't know of a single person who's in favor of repealing net neutrality. Not a single person. Right. I know a lot of people. But and, and this isn't just personal knowledge too. Like just scouring like online sites and like it, yeah, like no matter what side, like Republicans, Democrats, it, like everybody, like if, there's if you, nobody stupid enough to think that repealing net neutrality is a good idea for the consumer. Yeah, if you use the internet, you should be in favor of preserving net neutrality. It's as simple as that. I mean, I have seen some of those Reddit commenters who are like, "Oh yeah, net neutrality is garbage. We need to get rid of it." They're contrarians, but, though. Like they're not honestly. Yeah, I mean, Reddit trolls don't count as people. Yeah, like, but. like I mean, yeah, people on 4chan are saying, like, every time somebody brings up net neutrality, they say go back to Reddit. But they're, like, they're being contrarian. Like, it's what they do. Yeah. But any serious argument, like, but I still think it's going to get repealed. I honestly do. No, I it I think it will because it's, they don't care. Like, no. this is one of those things where no matter how hard the public screams, it seems like nobody cares. Um, and it's actually so... Like net, the the fight for net neutrality is so vile, because uh, I think on the FCC's webpage they had like a like a poll or something, like you can vote to say why you're in favor of preserving net neutrality or why you want to repeal it and write a comment as to why. And uh, when they released their statistics, it was about fifty fifty, which doesn't sound right at all. No, there's Upon no way. Upon some investigation, it was found that their poll or whatever was, was flooded with millions of bots voting to repeal net neutrality. And no. the scummy part is the bots had actual customers' names, like uh, people, uh, like Comcast customers' names. So, like, you could probably find Connor Haynes, who wrote a generic, I want to repeal net neutrality post on that poll. That is inf- which that is, makes my blood boil. Yeah, that's infuriating. That's, that's disgusting. That's identity it? theft, is it not? I mean, more or less? I mean... But we'll never catch. I, they the, they, they don't. Catch they the don't edit. care, and they're going to do anything they want to get their way. Yeah, which is it's just absurd. Yeah, it's it's vile. And if you are part of that minority that really wants to get rid of it, I hope you enjoy paying extra for Spotify. Oh, and you want to use YouTube? Uh, also, that's another four ninety nine. Lose our number. Don't listen to our show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's I I certainly think it's it's extremely important to discuss net neutrality and. How it could impact all of our lives going forward, but um, seeing how this is a, a gaming show, let's talk about how specifically it could affect the gaming industry. Is it too far to su- uh, to suggest that net neutrality could have an impact on popular online ecosystems like PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, no, and it absolutely Steam? can. Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, but I could absolutely foresee a scenario where. You're charged. Uh, your Xbox Live connection is throttled, or your uh, your PSN connection is throttled because Comcast has made a deal with Microsoft yeah. or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That Easy. something very shady like that could easily happen. And now that game streaming is becoming like PS Now, I think it's called, and like OnLive is dead, but I think there was another one. I I don't know, but streaming a game to your desktop or your laptop or even your phone, like that's all gonna get thrown into whack if people are throttling services like like right. ISPs have already been trying to do it with films they've been trying to like compete with Netflix and stuff by starting their own 
They're absolutely. I, there's not a doubt in my mind they're going to do one for gaming. See, it's it's a scary prospect to think of because what this does, if net neutrality is repealed, it it gives control of the internet essentially to internet service providers. Right. It takes and they away. Can, cut up the internet into slow lanes, fast lanes, however they want to divide it to maximize their profits. Any semblance of a fair ecosystem is gone. I- anything like any ability for a smaller company to succeed on the internet just gets destroyed by this. And yeah, like we mentioned, not only does this affect gaming, it will affect every aspect of your life. The only way this wouldn't affect you is if you didn't use the internet, which Let's be honest. If you're listening to this, you're using the internet. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as that. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect you negatively, and it's going to come out of your pockets. Even if you don't use the internet, it's going to affect you because someone, like, somewhere along the ecosystem of, like, your life, someone's using the internet, and they're going to get hurt by this, and that's going to hurt you. Just uh, Just out of curiosity, is something resembling, like, a net neutrality ban present in other countries there there are a few countries where net neutrality does not exist and uh, they've already done like they, they've already split their internet into packages mm. for social media and stuff i've seen That's awful yeah i've seen it i can't remember where because i don't know because you're I'm not thinking of canada. portugal i am you're right thank you just another reason to move to canada yeah i mean this is one of those things i could see resulting in like a brain drain in the u.s too honestly you know just ridiculous legislation making people leave yeah i mean i don't really have much more to add other than just be vocal about your opposition that's all anyone can do at this point don't be uh don't i mean you can you don't have to leave your office chair to do it just write the email like there's a number you can text there's there are links all over twitter that you can click and put your name put your email and though it is a dep- depressing prospect to think that for every email you write, there's probably two written by bots with your name that say the opposite thing you're saying, it's still, like, the only way to get this to stop is to say something. So right. we have to say something. Let's uh, let's take a page out of what happened with uh, the loot boxes, you know? Who knows what could happen if we're loud enough and vocal enough. Yeah. I mean... Miracles happen, I guess. So you mean if Reddit downvotes the FCC chairman's post about 64th Let's be real. If, plus if the FCC chairman made a post on Reddit, it would dwarf the Battlefront 2 downvotes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's gosh. saying something. Because the Battlefront 2 post, the most downvoted post on Reddit, uh, acquired that prestigious title by surpassing the previously most downvoted post by, like, over 10 or 15 uh, times, yeah, like, was, easily. Yeah. All right, I think if that's all we have to say on net neutrality, we should move on to our final topic, which is little brother mode in games. I think Connor brought this up. So little brother mode is uh, it has a it has a title I don't like as much called girlfriend mode, but that's stupid and sexist and horrible. But um, what it is is, like, a, a two-player co-op mode where the second player has limited interaction with the game, like... They can do less, but they still get to play. Like, if you've ever played Super Mario Galaxy, there was a second pointer, and they could, like, make Mario jump, and they could pick up the little star bits and stuff and shoot them. Um, Mario Odyssey, that's a more recent game, where the second player plays as Cappy. But basically, the stakes are very low for the second player, but they still get to have fun and play the game. So it's, it's a good way to share your hobby that you love with someone you care about that isn't so into it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm a big fan of it. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think they're a great part of any co-op game. And they go way back, too. I mean, you can think, like, Tails in the original Sonic the Hedgehog games was a little brother mode. You could pick up the second controller and play as Tails. Yeah. Or that wasn't in the original Sonic. That was in Sonic 2, I think. And uh, it's definitely a great way, like you said, for people who aren't familiar with gaming to sort of jump in and enjoy the game with someone they they know. And I think it's an effective way of possibly getting people into gaming because uh, typically little brother mode, the, the controls for that mode are much simpler and a lot and, and very intuitive. Someone who's never played a game before could probably pick up and play it no problem. Right. So it's it serves as a wonderful introduction to the world of gaming. Yeah, and it's so much better than the old, you know, hand your little brother the unplugged controller. Like, yeah, yeah. this is an actual bonding <laughs> moment you guys could have. Like, because they're, it's simple, but it's not insignificant. The things the second player can do usually, um, if that makes sense. Some <coughs> some games take it to an extreme. I think, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I just think it's sort of amusing when you look at it. For example, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I don't know if you know. It, it has the mode where you can't drive off, right? It's actually the default mode in that game. You actually have to go in and change it. Oh, wow. Like if you play it. But the default mode is like automatic steering and acceleration. <laughs> so you can literally just not even touch the controller and race. See, I don't have a problem with that, though, because you're not going to win. Probably. But still, I don't think that should be the default mode in a game. I feel like I that should be pro- toggleable. No, I'm. I mean, it is toggleable. Or like, uh, it should be the normal from the get go, and then I, toggleable going in. I get their reasoning though, because I would rather. Uh, I'm gonna put us all in the the role of a kid here. I would <laughs> rather have the pride of turning it off, than like the minor embarrassment of needing to turn it on. Right. See, like, the, the way I look at it... I don't feel like anybody's losing anything by turning it off, but having to go in and turn it on would hurt those so, kids' pride a little so, bit. So here's the thing. Uh, maybe I should have elaborated a little more. Uh, it's not explicitly clear that those things are on in the game when you start it up. Right. I still don't have a problem the race. with that, though. So when you're racing normally, you'll notice, like, oh, these controls aren't responding the way I want them to respond. And someone who's not sort of... Someone who's more casual will probably n- never even notice that. But I don't think they'll ever care. Yeah, like. But the controls aren't as responsive as they should be because of that. I'm, but I don't think. I think if you care enough about the game to notice, you're gonna care enough to look in the options menu and be like, "Oh, okay, that makes I sense." I guess. I mean, I'm not trying to like argue against it or anything. It's just a little minor gripe. Yeah. But I, um. I like it. I like that it's there. Yeah, I I, I definitely think Nintendo sort of champions it more than everyone else. Especially now. It's getting popular in indie games too. Like Binding of Isaac has something sort of like it, where the second player takes a small amount of your health, and they get to fly around and shoot stuff, you know. But they can't like pick up items or anything. They're definitely a second-class citizen in the as game. As far as I know, I think it takes away a whole heart's worth of health from you and Isaac. It's it's not um, it's not a f- certain amount. It's like a percentage of your health that they get. So it depends on how much you have. Can anyone think of any non-Nintendo games with Little Brother modes other than Binding of Isaac? I'm trying to think of, like, a Sony game, but I can't think of any. Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, Sonic, yeah. He's got, he got well, it, Sonic the Hedgehog too. What was, uh, you Tails? Just, yeah, Tails. You would and play Sonic Tails. Mania. Yeah, Sonic Mania recently, mm-hmm. yeah. Sonic 3. Yeah. All, all the 2D Sonics have it, I think. Up past, yeah. Past Sonic 1, yeah. Because Tails wasn't in that one. Uh, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head, though. Any Microsoft games? I mean, arguably, like, 
Microsoft doesn't make an e like a little brother mode, but like in Halo, it doesn't matter if the second person dies. You don't lose anything. It also doesn't matter if the first person dies. Yeah. As long as, you know, the other person's there, they'll respond. So that's not really a little brother mode so much. It's just a very forgiving co-op Yeah, that's, that's another sort of kind of niche of these modes, I think, where the second player has, like, everything, like, the controls the same as the first player, uh, same mechanics and everything. But basically, them doing poorly is inconsequential to the progression of the game. Right, and I, I think, think that's, that's a too. that's a very good uh, sort of implementation of the little brother mode, because if it, if you have someone who's interested in the game, and sort of wants to experience it full stop, they can just jump in and do that and not have to sort of get a watered down experience. Right, and you can like like the new <laughs> Super Mario Bros. Actually, I'm not gonna argue that for the new Super Mario Bros. games because those are way harder in co-op. Cuphead's also way harder in co-op. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a game I gotta play. It is. It's not. It does not have a little brother mode. <laughs> it is the little brother mode. Yeah, C- Cuphead's way too easy. <laughs> God, could you guys imagine like what would happen if the next Dark Souls game had a little brother mode? It kind of does. Does yeah. I mean yeah. Summoning people to come help you. It's not yeah, really a little. Brother I don't mode, think that's though. that's something else. No, but it's definitely something else. It's... That's more of the. I'm too weak to beat this, so let me get some friends. Exactly. Yeah, whenever I play Dark Souls, I refuse to summon ever when I'm fighting a boss just because I have to beat them myself. I play Dark Souls for the story. I don't know how to summon, and uh, I didn't even know there was a tutorial in the first five minutes of Dark Souls 2. Well, now that we're talking about Dark Souls, I kind of feel like we've exhausted this topic. Do you guys want to move on to the end? Yeah, I think I do. Let's go. All right. So every week we end with talking about games we were playing or games we recommend. I kind of want to go first this week. I have been playing Skyrim VR. Oh, wow, it's out? Yeah, and it is pretty freaking amazing. Just being immersed in Skyrim, just playing the opening sequence was completely different. It's it's like a brand new game to me. Riding in that cart, being like placed in the, uh, being sort of knocked down in like, uh, when the executioner has his axe on you and like swings oh. at you. And then Alduin, the dragon, comes and just lands on the castle and roars. And you're looking up at him. And he's a full-size dragon. Did you, did you like, right mince in when, front the, of you. when the axe was coming down? Like... A little bit. I'll, I'll actually tell you uh, the part I winced at most. And I've only played, like, this for 30 minutes so far. Just keep that in mind. But uh, in, like, the opening area when Al- the dragon's, like, attacking and everything. Yeah. When you're in, like, the sort of caves and you fight off the giant spiders. Yeah. Uh, they were crawling towards me, right? But then one of them just jumped at me. And they like it got like right in my face, and these spiders are huge, right? They're like massive, yeah. oh, right? And then god. I was just like, oh my god, and, like because it just suddenly lunged at me. And it, I, I gotta try this. And it actually lunged at me, you know. And Did you throw the headset off? Oh no, no, no it, nothing like that. <laughs> but it was it was crazy because I have my sword in one hand, so I just like cut it, mm-hmm. and then I just turn around and fire lightning at the other spider. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is so cool. It's such like a power trip because like. You're actually in that world, wielding weapons, wielding magic. It seems like an experience that should be played low difficulty, though. To me. Yeah, I have it on the second lowest difficulty, and yeah. that's how I'm going to keep it. It's wonderful that way. I mean, they did that the ability to cast spells in two different directions, something that I've kind of wanted to do forever because, you know, casting lightning in two different directions sounds great. And kudos to Bethesda for actually putting effort into this VR port because 
there has been some serious effort poured into this. The controls are pretty, sorry, the controls are pretty intuitive, and um, there's several like movement options in the game to, that you can tweak to make it as comfortable as possible. Now, the way I play the game, I teleport to move, and it's a lot more intuitive than it sounds. Uh, basically, you can press down a button and it creates like a little arc, mm -hmm. and then whenever you let go of the button, you teleport to where that arc like terminated. <clears throat> and once you get used to it, it feels like second nature. So on a scale, like, how Dragon Ball Z do you feel when you're, like, teleporting around a spider and cutting it up? 8.5 out of 10. That's pretty good. 8.5 out of instant transmission. How many Dragon Balls? Uh, 4 out of 7. 4 out of 7. That's pretty good. Um, okay. But so to sort of continue on that, another one of their movement options is you can point in a direction with one of your controllers and, like, press a button to move in that direction. Now, apparent, I read that this is the most immersive way to experience the game because you're actually, like, walking through the world. I tried it, and I couldn't do it. Motion sickness? Yeah. Even if I did it for, like, two or three seconds, I got extremely motion sick. But the teleportation doesn't bother you no, at all? No, not at all. That's and I, I kept trying over and over because I knew, like, I really wanted to, like, walk through Skyrim, but... Like, I couldn't do it. Like, I, See, I tried over and over. Maybe once you, I build up yeah. my tolerance, I, I can do that. I hear you got to get your VR legs. Yeah, but, but I, I, as of right now, I absolutely cannot do it. But I'm perfectly fine playing with teleporting. I'm playing, like, a sort of mage character anyway, so it's kind of like it yeah, fits so your it headcanon, yeah. you know, that you're teleporting around. But, yeah, just with the brief time I've had with it, it's it feels like a brand-new game to me. Just uh, when you get out of the tutorial area and just sort of look at, look around at the wilderness and the mountains up top, you're just like, oh, oh my god, like this is I'm inside of Skyrim, right? It's it's a wild feeling. That's amazing. I have to come over and try this. Yeah, for sure. But um just to sort of temper everyone's expectations, the graphics took a pretty massive hit. Um and it is noticeable at first, but I think after a few minutes you just sort of forget because you're inside of I mean, Skyrim. Is the aesthetic still good? It is. Is um far away it looks kinda a, maybe a little blocky, okay. but everything up close looks pretty just fine resolution wise okay but again you forget you, you just forget after a while like because it's so like, just how do the, the no menus work the like? notion of being in skyrim is absolutely insane uh the menus i think with your non-dominant hand you press a button right and then like the the four-pronged menu comes up with like spells okay, and, yeah. and, and you can like point in direction and like navigate is it easy it, enough to read yeah it's it's pretty intuitive actually it, it doesn't feel yeah. difficult to navigate at all I, I'm and you really can excited to, you like, can set like weapons it. and items and uh magic potions whatever you want in like a favorites menu that you, you can to, quickly access you get to actually drink the potions or anything like that i haven't tried drinking a potion yet i do know that you can like physics exist for like picking up and handling objects in the game mm -hmm. so instead of just like adding it to your inventory you can pick up any item and like move it around like that and even throw it oh wow which is pretty cool can you do damage with a thrown dagger yes you can that's so cool yeah okay i'm gonna get this and the only thing also I'm do is throw th archery in this game mm. not the most efficient way to kill but it is so cool it is incredibly cool because you have the bow in one hand you actually have to knock the arrow. Yeah, I bet if you, I and, bet if you get good. Yeah, it's no, really good. It, you actually have to aim, mm -hmm. and like, actually be good at aiming with a bow. Yeah. To be successful at archery in this game, which is really cool. That kills me. And oh, I all try of this, this so all of these impressions, just from thirty minutes of play. So I've barely even scratched the surface of this game. So I can't wait to like dive more into it. Do you have it set up so that you like actually say the shouts? I don't think you can do that in the game, which is a you huge. You can do bummer. that on Xbox. 
on the X-Band if you have the Kinect set up? But not with... I don't think that's, there's, a v, there's that's got, not a VR option that you can't... I don't think you can say the shouts. There's no speaker? Like, I mean, there's no microphone? There's got to be. You have to be able to. That's I don't think wild. you can. That's well, I don't have any Dragon Shouts yet, but I looked it up, and I don't think you can. That's upsetting to me. One I'm, minor gripe in, in an otherwise amazing experience. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. But That subtracts at least two and a half Dragon Balls from my rating. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh... What have you been playing, Michael? Uh, War? No, StarCraft Two, actually. Uh, well, it went free to play, and I dove in, and holy crap, is the community really welcoming for a game that's been out for seven years. Yeah, um, does it have online matchmaking? Is that how that works? It does, but okay. it won't let you do ladder until you either buy a campaign, buy a war chest, which... I don't know how those work. They might be loot boxes? Yeah, if I had to guess, that's a loot box. <laughs> I hear that it's actually XP, so you actually, like, play the game, and then you earn more parts or more <laughs> items from that loot box or whatever. So what's, but, the, what's the gameplay like? Uh, it is seven-year-old RTS goodness that translates well in today. It's only I mean, seven years old? Yeah, it was released 2010. Hmm. I mean, StarCraft is one of the most popular games out right now. But just for those who don't know, um, is it, what is it, what's a good sort of, like, analog? It's like the Command & Conquer games. If you remove all the static defenses and play it mostly on building an army really quickly and then overwhelming the enemy. Well, that's only one, that's only like one class in StarCraft, isn't it? That's Zerg. Uh, all races are similar in the general idea that you have to have your army up quick because all the ranked matchmaking and unranked and online multiplayer is played in the fastest speed. Oh, so okay. instead of it taking like 20, 30 minutes, I can get a game done in 15 minutes. Wow. At most. That's actually awesome. So it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I hear it's I hear it's really steep learning curve and like you I've like, heard that as well. I hear actions per minute talked about a lot, like you know, how many things you can do with your mouse in a minute. And that's that's intimidating to me as someone who hasn't played actions it. Actions per second I've even heard for that wow. game. Ooh. I mean, it's pretty much APM, but uh, once you get into it, it's really simple once you know how to build in a build order. Like I've been playing maybe t 10 hours, and I already have been consistently beating the AI on some of the harder difficulty levels. Okay. 1v1. Yeah, but you have some RTS experience, right? That's uh, safe to say. A little bit. See, I, I do not. I'm going to have to check it out later, though. And the first campaign is free. Mm -hmm. So you have to buy Hardest Worm and Legacy of the Void. But the first campaign's 20 or 40 hours of content. And the other campaigns, like one campaign, it's 15 bucks for another 20, 40 hours of content. That's amazing, yeah. And to buy all the campaigns, it's 40 bucks. And that's, I think, all future mission packs they add, too. Do they Maybe. have plans to add more? They said they were after Nova Covert Ops that they were going to add more. So they probably will. Okay. They keep patching it, too. So since it still has a competitive scene, they still have to patch it. Right on. Gabby, what about you? I've been back into playing Oblivion, like the Elder Scrolls oh, nice. 4. Yeah. It's still very good. I forgot how like detailed a lot of like the NPCs can get. Yeah, I mean, a lot of I feel like just remembering I I I think I enjoyed a lot of like the factions. I don't know what they're the guilds, yeah, like the Thieves Guild, Assassins Guild. I think I liked those more in Oblivion than Skyrim. Yeah. yeah, Skyrim definitely toned down a good bit of the experience, in my opinion, if you're like me and you're interested in the lore and, like, role-playing type stuff. Yeah. The one knock I have against it, like, a lot of the Oblivion gates are kind of repetitive, right, if I remember right? 
Yeah, the Oblivion Gates. The main quest in Oblivion <coughs> itself is kind of weak, if you ask me. The Dark Brotherhood's definitely the strongest. I, re- I really enjoyed that. Who done it is such a good mission. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely a step back in Skyrim. There are, like, some really good moments in the Oblivion campaign, though. Like, uh... I don't know. If, is it, am I safe saying spoilers in this? In this yeah, space you, for, you for can spoil. You can spoil Oblivion. <laughs> there's uh, there's this one part in the campaign where you're infiltrating a cult, and you're like, they ask you to kill this dude, like in front of everybody. And I was like, I was into my character. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And Th- so I didn't. And I, f- me and the guy, he ended up dying anyway. But I didn't kill him. We fought our way out. Yeah. Yeah, it does have strong moments. Or the Fighters Guild, where uh, you infiltrate the Blackwood Company and uh, you murdered this village full of goblins and you were tripping on his sap then you realize that those weren't goblins that was an entire village that you just slaughtered oh my gosh that's really dark yeah man I feel like I've forgotten so much. I, I used to play Oblivion so much, but it, I barely remember anything from that game. It's got like the best game. DLC of yeah. all time, the, uh, the Shivering Isles. And oh, I, I actually I never played that. Go to that. Huh? I thought you were talking about Horse Armor as the best DLC yeah. of all time. <laughs> Bethesda, remaster Oblivion and throw it on modern consoles. Do it. In VR. Yeah, oh. VR. Oh. More in VR. I want to see Martin's beautiful face one more time. <laughs> um, Connor, what about you? I bought Rocket League a second time for my Nintendo Switch. And I've been playing that a lot. And I just gotta say, getting the full Rocket League experience on the go is more than I ever thought I would get out of this life. Like, it's just so good. I've traveled a lot recently, but my ability to just take my Switch and, like, uh, you know, wreck some people. I think the revelation, the common revelation going forward is just being playing, just being able to play anything on the go is just the best thing. Like, I care so little about the graphics in Rocket League that, like, yeah. Sign me up. And it, and you can, like, pop off the Joy-Cons and have, like, a 1v1. Like, yes. The, or do co-op. Like The portability factor is so strong, I'm seriously considering buying Skyrim again for the Switch. Yeah. Just because it would be so nice, like, at an airport. I know. It's you're bored. You just yeah. pull out Skyrim, Skyrim and start playing it. Yeah. It's like, what? Speaking about portability, did you hear that uh, PUBG is being planned to be ported to phones in China? That's an that's abomination. A, that's a whole other topic. That's I can't get into that today. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think that that the novel, novelty of the Switch will ever wear but off. Yeah, I mean, Rocket League is still amazing. You still, I still get those mad aerials. I do miss my Steam controller when I'm playing it because I had some hotkey mess to make it easier to fly on my Steam controller. Plus, uh, just an added bonus, uh, you get cross-platform play, right? Oh, yeah. I can play with Xbox people, PC people, and other Switch people. Can't play with PS4 people. Right. One day that will You're change. You're the worst, Sony. In that regard, you are. Other than EA. Eh, Microsoft's worse than Sony. Okay. By and large. Anyway, that's... That's our show. That's my fanboy-ism talking. But yeah. Speaking of Warframe, no. I, yeah, I think that'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.